What is going on, baseball fans? Welcome to episode 11 of This Week in Baseball, presented by Diamond Digest. A little bit of a smaller crew. We recorded in the morning, and because we are all on different coasts, some people have different sleep schedules, and some people are sleeping off college football losses. So Kelly will not be on <laughs> this uh, morning. She is an Arkansas fan and was heartbroken from last night's loss. I have a two-man crew with me today, and that'll make the seventh-inning stretch showdown a ton of fun. I got Joey Bully and Diego Franco Carreno, two returning guests to the show. Gentlemen, how are we doing this morning? Doing pretty good. I'm also doing pretty good. As well as you can be, Diego, at seven in the morning, your time. Yep. As he is a walking advertisement with his Diamond Digest coffee mug. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> That's just the only mug I had available to me that it's also available on our, on our little store thing. So. Well, it works for me. It works perfectly for me. So, Product placement. the ALDS and the NLDS have come to a close this week. That's going to be our main topic, kind of looking at the results of those games. What's happened in the um, time since then, if you hear the birds in the background, by the way, I am on a screened-in patio in Virginia. This is not my normal setting. I don't understand <laughs> forests and woods and hills. I'm a Midwest guy. Outside. But, um, yeah, in general, just being outside in general. We'll walk through a little bit of the um, news outside the league as well and preview some of the ALCS and NLCS results. But before we jump too far, let's actually tell you what happened in the ALDS and the NLDS. A lot of exciting games. We'll start on the ALDS side. This might be another loss. Kelly is sleeping off. The Houston Astros defeat the Oakland Athletics in three games. The A's did take one game in that series. Houston continues to roll. This is their fourth straight ALCS. In what I considered probably the most exciting matchup, the Rays... Beat the Yankees in five games. And that game five was certainly a well-pitched matchup, a certainly very A's-esque matchup in the way they ended up winning it. The NLCS, the Dodgers, even though it was a 3-0 series victory over the Padres, those those games were still pretty exciting. Um, You saw who the better team was, but certainly the Padres were not overmatched. And the Dodgers will go on to face the Braves, who won pretty handily over the Marlins in three games. So the results, obviously, we got down to four teams. And if you're here and you've done some bracket predictions, good for you. Getting to this point, you've got the Rays and the Astros. And you've got the Dodgers and the Braves. So some familiar faces, some names we probably expected to be there, as well as some names that maybe in some – more bold predictions you would have seen here, but we'll get into that in a little bit. Weekly debuts. Incredibly, we still have weekly debuts on touching base with the rest of the league. We've got two, in fact, this week for the playoffs. Shane McClanahan, a consensus top 100 prospects heading into this year for the Rays, a left-handed 22-year-old. He made his debut in the ALDS even though he just pitched only 18 innings above high A ball before this year. Like I said, he's a 22-year-old consensus top 100 prospect who pitched one and two-thirds innings pitched in games one and three of the ALDS combined, giving up one earned run, striking out two, and walking just one. On the other side in the NLDS, Ryan Weathers, a top 100 prospect before the 2020 season, made his debut for the Padres. They, I'm sure you might have known this. I 
completely missed it for some reason. His .9 ERA in high school, that stat was uh, shown across the broadcast when he debuted. He pitched one and a third innings, gave up no runs, walked two, and struck out one. So two pretty fun debuts that as teams continue to figure out how they're going to handle the offseason, or excuse me, the no off days in the postseason, mm-hmm. certainly getting creative and seeing a lot of fun and interesting names come up. And finally, in some more disappointing news, some more sad news, Whitey Ford this week passed away at the age of 91. The, all, the legend for the New York Yankees, Hal Steinbrenner, actually put out a, a message, a statement. Um, if you find Bob Nightingale, he actually tweeted it out. Just uh, some highlights from that statement. Steinbrenner says, Whitey was New York tough. When you couple that with his dedicated service to our country, a deep love for the only team he ever played for, six world championships, and a genuine personality and charisma that showed throughout his life, it's no wonder that he endeared himself as a legend to generations of Yankees fans everywhere. So certainly a tough passing a week after, or another week losing a legend. Um, Certainly difficult news for Yankees, Yankees fans, the, the family of Whitey Ford. Um, so our thoughts go out to all of them in such a difficult time. But enough of me talking. I know you guys are here to hear the seventh inning stretch showdown we've got this week. Usually we got three names on it. Instead, we will have two. So a very matchup style-esque. Joey, I don't know if you've played this before, Diego. I'm not sure if you have either. Yeah, we both have. You both yeah. have? All right. Lots so no... So no unfair advantages this week, which we like to hear. Callie obliterated like my existence last time. Do you not remember yeah, that? Did. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh, so he you're kind of happy. Decided to end my entire life. Yeah. With his his Alec Mills take. That's right. The difference between the uh, two no hitters, the Mills and yeah. the Giolito one. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, that was pretty ugly. Yeah, that was a rough one. Well. Hopefully you can bounce back this week. You don't have Callie in your way. <laughs> it's true. I, I, I am more prepared this time than I was last time. So, But you all know it. the drill. Seven questions. You each got a minute to answer. I've been more lenient with awarding points. We'll see what I do here today. Let's start it off. This year, it was announced that the qualifying offer for free agents to be will be $18.9 million, almost a $1 million increase from last year. So my question to you guys is this, how do you think this increase coupled with the teams being quote unquote affected and take that as you will by the pandemic will impact the amount of qualifying offers we see now, keeping in mind that we're not even sure if there will still be a draft pick attached to these qualifying offers. Um, but I guess my assumption is, unless you hear otherwise, assume it will stay the same. Diego, just to help your pride, I'll let you start off first. All right, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, so as far as the qualifying offer goes this year, I think um, it going up and the uh, the effect that it's going to have from uh, this season and the pandemic, I will see the amount of quali- uh, qualifying offers go down. Uh, mostly because, like, assuming it's also going to be um, the draft pick attached to it, and with um, you know the league saying they want to try to do like the whole um, five inning or five inning five uh, round draft and all that, they want to kind of maybe keep that going. 
we're still kind of like unsure about that. Uh, so I think the amount of qualifying offers ultimately goes down is because I think uh, teams just ultimately aren't willing to like even risk that like uh, I guess like the um, the money because they want they're going to claim it's like so tight and everything. And how many players are truly worth that eighteen point nine million tag? Uh, I think that's going to be what it ultimately comes down to. And I'm not really sure if the there's enough players out there who teams will recognize or think that are worth that much money. So I think the amount ultimately goes down and that it's just going to be uh, another year of like, maybe you see like three or four guys sign a qualifying offer. Yeah. It's a good point about that. Um, who, who's worth the offer? Who, who they're going to see is worth it. Cause if it keeps rising, you, you kind of wonder where that point is that it will stop rising. What's the um, threshold? Yeah. Where, where is your threshold on these qualifying offers? But <laughs> Joey, what you got? Uh, yeah, I agree with Diego. I think we're going to see a smaller number of qualifying offers this year just because m- one the main reason mostly is going to be the higher dollar amount associated with it. Um, but also the fact that we do have kind of a weaker free agent class this year all around. Because if you look at the guys that got qualifying offers last year, um, we got Mad Bum, Garrett Cole, Josh Donaldson, Strasburg, you know, Anthony Rendon, these caliber guys. And, you know, the guys that are kind of coming around this year is going to be Real Muto, Bauer, Springer. But outside of that, there aren't too many big names. Um, so I think we're probably going to see five or six offers, like the three I mentioned before. And then, like, maybe Marcus Semien or Marcelo Zuna, who also got one last year. Um, but my hot take here is going to be that Angelton Simmons will receive a qualifying offer from the Los Angeles Angels. And I also think that if anybody signs one this year, it's going to be him. Because I don't think that anyone else would pay him that amount of money like on the open market and i also think that it is going to be a pretty weak spending market so i think that would incentivize uh maybe some of these guys that receive qualifying offer to think about it a little harder than they normally would um but you know real muto bauer ozuna these guys aren't they're not taking qualifying offer they're going to go out on the open market see what they can get um so that's that's my hot take today andrew simmons gets a qualifying offer that's a good take that is a good take. I, I think that I, I don't know if there's a better option in, in this one year kind of stretch for the angels than to kind of bring him back. And e- even if it just is a stopgap for something they want to do in the future, but um, yeah, I mean, they've got the, that left side of their infield is just so totally stacked. I mean, they've yeah. got Rendon Fletcher and Simmons for three spots and then they've got, they can play Ren Hifo second for now at least. So maybe maybe a stopgap to Fletcher being more comfortable there or something like that. Yeah, Good I think point. it'll be I think it'll be interesting too to see because you know there there are so many free agents. It's like are are you really worth nineteen million dollars? Where it's like yeah. I I don't know if seeing the qualifying offer go up this year and then unless people get the qualifying offer, um, if that's going to start establishing that threshold we talked about because you got to figure at some point it it, it kind of removes the point of the qualifying offer if so few free agents are worth it at that point yeah, if right. you're, and, i mean the points the points tender jake odorizzi a qualifying offer last year right which honestly blew my mind then and continues to now especially after seeing how we performed this year and i think even that one example maybe like I don't think many teams thought that he would have been worth that in the first place, but I think right. maybe now teams are going to look at it and be like, 
Well, we saw him completely fall off after that. Granted, in a you know kind of a messed up season, but still a real season. Um, and especially even if the, like with the draft too, with it being you know probably a smaller number of rounds, each pick is worth more. So yeah. I, I just don't see teams wanting to give that away as much as it did in the past. Yeah. Point's gonna go to Diego here because of that good uh, draft or that draft uh, point. Um, I I don't think if there's a um, pick attached that people are gonna want to give up the qualifying. I, I think that's gonna be a big part of this. Is and I think that's why it's ultimately gonna get removed and maybe just for this year because if the draft stays shortened, who's gonna sign a free agent knowing they have to give up a draft pick? Yeah. So I, I'm curious to see how teams handle that as well. But clearly they don't value draft picks too highly if they're willing to go to five to ten rounds. So what do I know? Yeah. I'm, only, I'm only a podcast person. <laughs> the league's been very willing to like experiment and stuff too, so we mm-hmm. might see some of that here in the next couple of years with you know the qualifying offer and the draft and the picks attached and all that. So. Yeah. We'll see. Plenty to talk about there, I'm sure. But Question two. As I alluded to earlier, and – Hopefully you guys know from watching them. We did have some pretty good matchups in the league division series. Um, Rays Yankees was a lot of fun. Dodgers Padres was fun, even though it was a 3-0 sweep for the Dodgers. It, I don't think it felt like one. Um, but my question to you is this, quite simply, which, which of the matchups was your favorite? And what did these games teach you about the strengths and weaknesses of the remaining teams? Joey, we'll start with you. Um... Yeah, I think pretty clearly that the, that the, the Rays and the Yankees were the most exciting matchup and the most exciting series. Um, I mean, went to five games, came down to a home run in the bottom of the eighth in game five. Um, and like this whole redemption story with Mike Brasso and Aroldis Chapman. Um, and I think we really learned about, a lot about the Rays in that series, too. They're going to live and die by their pitching because their offense, OPS, like 7-13 or something against one of the best staffs. In, like, Well, not one of the best staffs, A very good pitching staff. Um, so uh, overall less than an impressive offensive performance, but they're pitching, man. I mean, they, it wasn't even that good in the division series, but that bullpen, man, that stable of guys that Kevin Cash was talking about earlier in the year, they, it feels like every night and every inning, they're just bringing out another tall lanky guy who throws, you know, 101 and has a two scene that moves like three feet. Um, so I think that's, that's what we learned about the Rays. I mean. I think that was the most exciting series, too. I don't really know if I have time to get into the other teams, but uh, maybe I'll talk about them a little later. Diego, what you got? Yeah, so I think, uh, you know, Yankees Rays is undoubtedly, like, the best or, like, the most exciting series, but I also really enjoyed watching uh, the Braves-Marlins series just because for the, the simple fact that the Marlins were the Marlins this year. They made it this far. No one expected them to be here. They weren't supposed to be here. And I just love watching good pitching. And the Braves pitching this postseason has been good as the Rays or anybody else. I mean, I'll get into that a little bit later too. But um, the, that series is a lot of fun. It only lasted three games. But like I just said, I like watching some good pitching. And like we learned that that's going to be the Braves' strong suit. They are an unbelievably deep lineup, uh, unbelievably deep team. Um, but their pitching has managed to outshine that. And like the rest for the other remaining teams, I think the Rays have a certain tenacity to them that um, kind of plays in their favor a lot here. Uh, the Astros, I mean, the villain storyline really has been, you know, apparent and playing a big role here. And I think that's what they've got going for them the most here so far. And the Dodgers just simply have talent, like 
up and down that roster as much as that hurts me to say like it they just simply have the talent and that's what they've got going for them and uh it's just it's going to be very interesting how to see those teams how they implement all four like individually implement those kind of strengths that they have going forward point goes to diego for managing his time wisely and being able to answer the full question (laughs) again whoops oh well (laughs) you live and you learn and you don't get too worked up over it because it's just seventh inning stretch true I i do agree that you know the Rays was the most exciting series for me um even though Dodgers Padres, you know, you had the fun storylines of, you know, just the bad flipping and everyone getting pissed off over certain things. And that continues to be a storyline and probably will ever be. Um, but I, few years. Yeah. But I think that, you know, when you look at teams who are just completely prepared to do this five game series, however, it was going to be presented to them, or even the seven game series coming up, it, the race. It, you can't think of many teams who were more prepared for how they wanted to handle this. And it's rather impressive. Question three This is the first time that a postseason series has been completed without any scheduled off days. Um, as I just alluded to, the race seemed to be um, pretty well equipped for that amongst the teams so far. My question is this, what are your thoughts on the format so far? Do you think it's changed the game at all, whether for better or for worse, or is it just simply, I, I, I'm not too concerned about it type thing. But Diego, we'll start with you. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, it clearly has made a, ch- a change. It's made an impact. Uh, personally, I think it's a little, like, worse, if anything. Not significantly worse, but a little bit, because it does impact this, this pitching, it impacts those pitching staffs and how you're using them, and ultimately it's gonna it's gonna force managers to uh, really think about how they're using those pitchers and like um, what you're going to see. But you also get um, the super exciting game five match, like that game five matchup. We got we get Cole, we get uh, Glass now in short rest. Like mm-hmm. that was like one of the most exciting things in sports. So, like that I can remember in like recent memory is like the the matchup short rest for everybody. And like, it was just a lot of exciting like times and a lot of fun. So like being able to like get that out of it is like something that's fun and exciting, but you also worry about those arms a little bit. Like you don't want these players to get too fatigued. You don't want to get them hurt. And ultimately I think the setup they have currently with this, this postseason is kind of ultimately setting up for a little bit more injury proneness. And I don't know if I like that too much, um, but it is does make for those exciting times, but I think the off days are rather important. Joey. Yeah, I mean, once again, Diego pretty much takes the words right out of my mouth. I mean, Good. I, I like it in the sense that <laughs> I like it in the sense that, you know, there's baseball on every night. That, I think that's always a plus. Um, but again, you know, I get worried about the injuries um, and I get worried about performance on short rest like i'm like i was going to talk about tyler glass and i'll talk about him anyway he threw 37 pitches over two and a third two days after throwing you know 100 or whatever it was over six and change um and honestly we didn't even see that much of a velo dip he actually had a higher fastball velo in uh the game on short rest so i I think he's probably a little amped up for that one um but he only threw 18 strikes out of 37 pitches so you know we really saw some some control issues from him and I think that could become more of a theme as we start to see pitchers get you know, a little more run down as this, this postseason goes on. And just the depth of the bullpens is going to become 
so much more important, which is why teams like the Rays and the Braves are going to be in really good shape. And teams like the Astros might be in less good shape um, just because of just just having guys in the bullpen. Like, I don't even, yeah. like, just you got to have the guys, the dudes, to go out there, you know, potentially every day and just shove. And that's what, you know, that's what these teams are going to need in order to, to carry them all the way to uh, to that piece of metal at the end of the road this year. Ooh, I was going to give you the tie, but then you threw that piece of metal line in. That was well done. <laughs> that was really well done. Joey's going to get the point there. Thank you. I like that this. I like that this um, tests the depth of teams a lot more. Um, I, I like that you can't just necessarily run out your big three or big two at the front of the rotation and think that's going to be enough. Um, and I, I think to your point that the injuries is probably going to be something to watch for, something to make sure that you know you want to win these games, but you're not pushing them too much. But at the same time. I mean, we talked about this last week on the podcast. I'm treating every game as a must win. I, I'm Absolutely. not. I'm not planning for a game three when I'm not, or game four if I'm not even sure I'm going to get past game three yet. Um, so, so that's the kind of that's the kind of way you're probably going to see it managed. I think they've managed it excellently, um, but certainly the the, um, the the strength of the staff, the strength of the arms, I guess, and the health of the arms. Um, is going to be important for chasing that piece of metal. Joey, well done with that one. <laughs> Thank you. Question four. Umpiring continues to be a major point of discussion this off or this postseason. I wrote offseason. I meant postseason. With more and more calls for robotic umpires. Propose your ideal way forward for umpiring. It can be keeping things as is. It can be robot umpires, or it could be something in between. Most creative answer wins. Joey, what you got? Um, so I kind of, I'm kind of. This is a little unpopular opinion among you know people are are sort of age bracket concerning umpiring, but I don't, I don't dislike having you know, human umpires make mistakes. I think that is part of baseball. I think it's part of every sport. Um, I, I'm not a huge fan of robo ums because I think it takes that aspect out, and like teams do scouting reports for umpires now, and I just think that's super fun that you have to like know what, you know, this umpire favors and things like that. Uh, one change I think could be made is that an like taking away the auto automatic ejection for arguing balls and strikes, like maybe the second time, but sometimes these umpires just got to get an earful, man, because sometimes you see some of these games, you just turn into turn into the ump show. And like, we're not here to watch you. Like we appreciate what you do. No, it's a hard job, but this isn't about you looking at you show West. Um, so I just think that it just, a little more um, humility from the umpires is a good thing, um, but also just a little more leniency in terms of players and umpire and players and coaches. Sorry, um, being upset about calls that you know from home on the broadcast that was a ball and he called it a strike and you know there was the bases loaded in eighth inning. So I think that maybe a little more leniency in that in that um, department may be maybe beneficial to the game. Diego. All right, I thought Joe was going to take my point, but he didn't. Uh, first off, fire Angel Hernandez. All right, Diego's uh, going to get the point, but <laughs> please continue. <laughs> I thought about making that my only point, but I, I would keep going. Uh, C.B. Buckner, Joe West, Rob Drake, those are the ones I can think of top of my head. Get him out of here. Um, but, like, no, I agree uh, with Joey. Though I do like the um, human aspect of it. It makes things a lot more 
interesting with having to scout those umpires and making sure like you know what you're pitching to and how the strike zone does it'll change a little bit game to game. But uh, one thing that I would do is kind of maybe like implementing those robo umps a little bit, but only in the aspect of like if it's like a, a close game, let's say within three runs, um, and that you should be able to like challenge a ball or a strike that like ultimately ends up like deciding the outcome of like mm-hmm. a plate appearance. So if it's a full count and the ball is two or three inches like off the plate, let's say um, Austin Slater in uh, the last game of the Giants season, uh, and it ultimately ends a season or something like that, uh, you should be able to hypothetically, challenge, hypothetically, <laughs> you should be able to challenge something like that and be like, hey, I want to get that looked at, and with uh, either make it like the, the automatic like strike zone thing or just the consistency of how the umpire has been calling it. We have the technology for that kind of stuff, and just making sure like a team doesn't get absolutely screwed from something like that. Like there's, is a little bit too much human element, like, mm-hmm. and these umpires wanting to make it about themselves, kind of like Joey mentioned. Uh, so I think implementing something like that might be useful for everybody. It might be better for the game. I, I, I can only imagine we're in the playoffs. Fans are back in the stands. Three, two count bases loaded strike three called. Wait a minute. We're challenging everybody back on the field. That was ball four. Oh, I can only imagine how that would go. Um, my personal opinion is uh, similar to you guys. I, I think there needs to be some human element left. My only thought, if you want to kind of change it naturally, is you got an earpiece in the umpire, and he's allowed to call balls and strikes as he normally would. But if he calls a ball and it's a strike or a strike and it's a ball, someone tells him, Angel, that was a ball. Angel, that was a strike. And you kind of naturally fix it as, like, you kind of see, oh, maybe I need to move the plate in a little bit, or I need to move the plate out a little bit, or something like that. Now, that's going to lead to zones changing through the game, or throughout the game, which is the detractor from that. Um, But I I think that if you can kind of naturally fix zones that way, that'd be interesting. But I I do think robot umpires is going to piss more people off than... They really think, to be honest with you. I just I just don't think it's worth it. No, because for as many calls as you lose, man, do you want those calls sometimes? Yeah. So say a hypothetical last game of the season, your season's on the line. I mean, I, I watch A's White Sox, and I was just infuriated half the time. Yeah. So yeah. I feel your pain. And I mean, like the the other thing with the Robo Umps is like. If we get those, what purpose does Austin Hedges have? I love watching that guy right, catch. Exactly. I hate I hate watching him hit. But is that like framing is such a skill, man. It, mm-hmm. it is so hard to do well. Like we've seen these videos of Victor Caratine pulling everything into the zone. And you know that's that it's bad framing. It's bad. Yeah. But and, but and then you see that and you see Austin Hedges just flip that glove a little bit, or Jason Castro flip that glove a little bit. And it's just it's I mean, it's, it's so interesting it's to watch. It's so much fun. And, you bring and up I, a good I don't want to lose that. You, you also bring up a good point with that, because if you take away for a lot of catchers their highest value and the reason they're in the league, you're going to cost a lot of guys their jobs. You, you're not going to find guys yeah. like... We're going to have more Kyle Schwarber's catching. Yeah, you're not, you're not going to have... Um, if Austin Hedges is only going to hit a buck 50, and framing doesn't right. matter because we have... I could literally throw anybody back there. You just stick the DH back there. And yeah, then you have it, two DHs. You, you, lose a yeah. lot of, you lose a lot of players their jobs because there's a lot of backups in this league who are here 
because they're good at framing. And there's a lot of starters even yep. that are in their jobs because they're good at framing. Um, I, I think that's a point that when we all shot, and we've all done it before, we've all shot robo umps. I, I think that that's something that you seriously need to consider is you're going to cost a lot of guys jobs. Oh, yeah. Framing is just so much fun to watch when it's mm-hmm. done well. I agree. So. Completely agree. Point went to Diego for Fire Angel Hernandez alone. Um, Joe West was a good chant and shot right there, Joey, though. So d- don't feel yeah. like you didn't take a good <laughs> shot. I figured it was 50-50. <laughs> I might just have a little bit more current frustration with Angel Hernandez, but what do I know? I think uh, everyone does. That's fair. Question five, fact or fiction, our favorite question of the week. The Chicago Cubs are the most disappointing playoff team thus far, and you can define disappointing however you want. It's just me throwing it out there. So, Diego, we'll start with you. Yeah, I I would um, – I don't know if I necessarily agree, but I necessarily don't disagree either. Um, the Cubs were – they had a little disappointing uh, this postseason thus far, but I think – the Cleveland Indians were probably more disappointing to me because like, have we've mentioned before how important pitching has been um, in this postseason? Like the Indians were as stacked as anybody ready for the postseason pitching. And like, that's what they do. The Indians have been like a fantastic pitching staff. They have a pretty good lineup too. So them getting bounced so early makes things like a little rough. Granted. I mean, the Yankees have been like pretty good and everything. The Yankees made it so far. Uh, but the Indians were like a pick to win the World Series in this postseason for a lot of people. Yeah. I remember like Laz, you talked earlier on the season like the gotta watch out for the Indians. They're gonna be scary in this postseason mm-hmm. format. And they just kind of came out and let down a lot of people. So I think uh, the Indians may be more disappointed than the Cubs considering like how important the pitching has been and how well equipped they are at that position. Joey. Um, yeah, Indians certainly disappointing. I'm going to go with the fact that the Cubs are the most disappointing for me personally. Um, because, frankly, I was looking forward to seeing them in the NLCS with that rotation, your Hendricks and Darvish, who was absolutely insane this year. Mm-hmm. And that lineup that maybe was a little cold during the regular season, but I thought, you know, it's the playoffs. They're going to get fired up. Javi Baez is going to OPS, you know, something that starts with a six instead of a five. Um, and that just didn't happen. The team OPS 479 and had nine hits over their two-game sweep. And they only gave up seven runs. So it's not like they were getting completely shelled by the Marlins. They just they couldn't hit anything. Um, so for me, that's more disappointing because I was looking forward to seeing them deep in the playoffs. Um, my, the, other, the other one that I thought of was the A's, um, just in terms of getting to the ALDS against your rival who was under 500 in the regular season and just yeah. not, be, not being able to get it done. Um, but I do think that the Cubs were the most disappointing, at least for me personally. I'm not even sure if I agree with my own question here because it's interesting. I think just <clears throat> the, the way that I think about the regular season and the postseason, I think just the carryover of the Reds just being such a such a hyped team heading into this. Mm-hmm just being so disappointing during the regular season and then not scoring in the postseason. It was like that, that is a team that should have figured it out that didn't. And and I think that's another disappointing one there as well. I think all three teams I would consider pretty disappointing ones, um, which is why I'm going to give you both the point, which is, it's, it's also funny that the Indians and the Cubs, your two biggest disappointments 
four years ago, we're in the World Series. So it, it's funny how quickly things change for these guys. Um, certainly, I think the Indians, it, it's harder for it's harder for me to feel disappointed with them having to face the Yankees. The Cubs having to face the Marlins, I think is a little bit different of a story, but that also might be I wouldn't say having to face the Marlins. I would say getting to face the Getting to face the Marlins. It was a privilege for them to be able to face the Marlins. Yeah, exactly. I would agree with that. They were given the honor. And they didn't do Jack. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. I think if you look at the easiest matchups going in, that's probably it. Besides Dodgers, Brewers, but I mean, maybe the Blue Jays. Yeah, and they, they were yeah. another team where I'm like, I don't want to play them in three games. That's the kind of team the Blue Jays were to me. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know. Yeah. There's with, with the expansion. Just something that you said a, just a second ago. I just think with the, with the expanded said- playoffs, the, there were more teams that excited, but more teams that disappointed. Frankly, true. Yeah, absolutely. And just what you said about the Reds a second, I'm going to go back to our first question about the qualifying offer. I think that if the Reds had won a game in the playoffs, Trevor Bauer might have signed a qualifying offer. Because, you know, he's always talking about how he wants his one-year contracts. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's going to stick to that. Perfect. But I think that if he got any run support in the postseason, he might have just stuck around for yeah. a year. I'm very curious, and I'm sure we'll talk about this. Season. I'm sure we'll talk about this in the future. One thing I'm curious about, along with this qualifying offer point, Joey, is does Bauer stick to his one-year deal things? I don't think he will. I, I don't think you can go. Ha- you can ha- you can't have a Cy Young type year and say, "Oh, I'm only going to sign a one year deal." Like, it, it doesn't get much better, especially because pitchers right. pitchers are so volatile too. Yep. It's so risky, but you know he's he's always been kind of a bold risk taking guy. So, right, I wouldn't put I, it past him, but yeah. I also wouldn't be surprised if he goes three years. I think that's the perfect way of putting it. Honestly, you I wouldn't be surprised, but yeah. yeah, yeah, but. A story for another day when the postseason is over. Question six. There have been plenty of both incredible matchups as well as incredible postseason performances thus far. If the postseason ended today, who would be the AL and the NL postseason MVP? Joey, we'll start with you. Um, So the AL one was pretty tough. I narrowed it down to three guys, but I think I'm going to go with Giancarlo Stanton. Um, flash line looking, looking pretty chunky 308 387 slug 1038 for 1426 ops he had six home runs um in the what the seven games that they played which is pretty impressive Absurd. especially mm-hmm. the one that Statcast said went what 458 that looked like going like 510 feet um oh, yeah. so i gotta go Giancarlo for the al but that was a tough that was a tough choice though because there's some pretty good candidates there uh, for the NL, I'm going to go kind of a dark horse thing. I like like Diego was talking about earlier with the Braves pitching. I'm going to go with Ian Anderson. In two starts this postseason, uh, he 11 and two thirds innings pitched. Uh, he's they've won both his starts. 17 Ks to three walks, 0.69 WHIP, has an 11 earned run. I mean, it was against the Marlins um, and whatever team they played before, who probably also wasn't very good. Um, the Reds, but I mean, he's yeah, the Reds. Oh yeah, the Reds. They don't count. <laughs> um, but they do because they did. They're still an MLB team, and they didn't score against him. Uh, so definitely, I think Ian Anderson. There are few. There, <laughs> there are fewer candidates in the NL. Um, but I'm a big pitching guy, and uh, I think that Ian Anderson could is almost certainly one of the most uh, valuable players uh, this postseason for the NL. Diego. 
Yeah, um, I mean, those are like really good picks. I really like that Andy Anderson pick because I'm also a big pitching guy. If you've listened to any of our other podcasts or a hot mic where I've been on, you know how much I like pitching. Uh, so, but going kind of with that, I'm also going to go with the Brave for my NL MVP. Uh, and not exactly a pitcher, but I'm going to go with Travis Darno. You know, the catching there, I mean, he was incredible in his last series, uh, you know, just kind of carrying the, the Braves offense for a bit, um, it seemed like anyway. The Travis Darno has been pretty good this uh, this postseason. Uh, been making a lot of uh, teams kind of like turn their heads. Is like he's, he's doing. The Braves got some going there, getting a lot of production from him. Um, and so uh, Travis Darno, I think, has been just absolutely like insane at least for a little bit. Uh, at least the games I've been able to watch, Darno has been he's the games where he's hitting those bombs and doing a lot for his team. And as far as the AL side goes, uh, I'm thinking I'm going to go with kind of like a easier fun pick you know no one would expect Randy Rosarana here yeah uh what he's doing has been a lot of fun it's been a lot it's really cool to watch and as far as when you go and pick like those um awards voters really do like that kind of story of like a Randy Rosarana a Travis Darno, uh like kind of those guys that are like oh if you had to go into this postseason and pick a guy no one's picking those two guys you're picking the Stans. you're picking like the Carlos Correa's like you're picking these bigger names and so I think a Randy Rosarena and a Travis Darno, like it's a fun pick. It's a uh, unexpected. No one's going to pick this at the beginning of the postseason, but now easy, uh, easily to see people picking these guys to win this like theoretical if the postseason ended now MVP. It's a really good point about you know those those stories that you didn't exactly sign these guys to be your postseason heroes, but here they are. Exactly. Um, certainly not they're, the Rays. They're both on my list. So. Yeah. Certainly not the Rays with the Rosarina and certainly not Darno with the Braves. I think those are the type of stories I prefer personally as a fan that they're fun. You know, it, they're fun. It tests how deep you really are as a team. That, that's what I like most about the season. Especially with Darno getting DFA earlier yeah. this year by, by the Mets. Exactly. Of course, the Mets is well. The um, poor Mets. Just, you know. <laughs> poor they, do, Mets. they dig their own holes. Yeah. Imagine if the Rays shame. would have picked him up. Because <laughs> we know how the Rays oh, like pick off yeah. players and just make them, you know, incredible. Yeah, I, I think, think... Didn't he play for the Rays? Like, yeah. Like last year? Mm-hmm. Which is what surprised me. He, he seems like a... Yeah. That's interesting, though. But, I mean, when you have Randy or Rosarena, you're, you're already winning the... I wouldn't expect you to be postseason MVP award anyway, but oh yeah, that's the Rays in a nutshell for you. Honestly, you, you wouldn't expect the big names to do it because why would they? They have plenty of small yeah. names to prove you wrong about who the Rays are. Let's move to our final question. New week, more predictions to make. Predict the winner of each of the LCS matchups. I think we can probably guess what's going on here, but I want to hear your guys' thoughts anyway. Joey, we'll start with you. Uh, yeah, so I got Dodgers and Rays last. I'm going to be honest. Uh, might seem kind of chalky, but, I mean, the Dodgers, they're just so good. I mean, yeah. they, they OPS 815 against the Padres, who, granted, they had, like, a, a kind of a depleted pitching staff with Clevenger and Lamette out. Uh, but like I said in the Discord, they seem like they're the – the rays of the NL. They, they just keep running guys out of their bullpen. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And the Dodgers hit them. And they just have such a stacked offense. 
Um, that bullpen was really good with Urias, Trinan, and Bruce Dargratterall, who got a little help from Cody Bellinger. Um, but, you know, it's an out, and out's an out. And then the Rays, we've talked about, they're just so deep in the pitching staff department as well. Um, they do match up really well against the Astros because they've kind of got like uh, like the unstoppable or the unstoppable force meets the immovable object with the Astros offense. I mean, yeah. a little bit and the uh, the Rays pitching. So I think that's going to be a really interesting matchup. But I'm going to go uh, Dodgers at five and Rays at six. Sounds about right to me, Diego. What you got? Yeah, I definitely agree with the Rays pick. Uh, the Rays have just been incredibly fun to watch they yeah. beat you know the, the the yankees and that's the yankees were a, a big pick for everybody and so i think the rays have got the momentum going um i think uh they're going to overpower the astros lineup with their power pitching and how good it's been so i like the rays too um but i can never ever pick the dodgers to win a series ever <laughs> never it's against my dna do not like the dodgers <laughs> zero out of ten so, but and I think it's not unrealistic to say the Braves can win that series either. No, yeah. So me saying the Dodgers are going to lose the first round of the Brewers, that's not realistic. But this is. <laughs> so I think the Braves definitely had the pieces there. Um, I don't know how confident I am in that pick, but I'm going to say the Braves in uh, seven and the Rays in five. I would much prefer a Rays Braves. Um, I think most people would. World Series. I think that would be. I, mean, I would prefer it. Yeah, but the Dodgers are really good. They are, and I can admit yeah. that, but I'm not going to pick them. Yeah, that I'm is, kind of the same fair. way with the Braves. That's fair. You know, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I, I forgot. We got, <laughs> we got an NL West and an NL East guy right now. Yeah. yeah. So, it's all good. I, I don't know. I think I would have a hard time seeing the Astros find a way to get past the race pitching. Honestly. Oh, absolutely. No one wants to um, see it. I, I don't think anybody wants to see it, and I think – at the same time, plenty of people have discounted the Astros, and that's kind of why we're still talking about them for the fourth consecutive year in the ALCS. Unfortunately. Um, but certainly a team that you love them, you hate them. They're a good ball club. They're, they're, they're not going to go away easy, but I do think the race pitching will give them the advantage there. Um, I don't know. It depends on what, what version of the bullpen we see come out with that one. So. Certainly plenty to watch there, but true. Uh, I'm, I'm excited for some more games, some more matchups. Again, just interesting different things that happen with no off days with these rounds until the World Series, of course. Yeah. But, Diego, congratulations on your win in seventh inning stretch. Yeah. So, pick up the first one. Joey? It was a, it was a pretty thorough drubbing, it seemed like. No, you were right there. You were right there. You had it. You had you had your good one-liners, and that's what it takes to win this sometimes. <laughs> but let's move on. Let's talk about maybe, our storylines. Oh, go ahead, Joey. I said maybe next time when I come on, I won't go up against Diego and actually have a chance. <laughs> well, the problem is you'll have Kelly on last time on I was here. on against Diego, too. Yeah, yeah that's right. This yeah. is the second time we've had you two together. Yep. Yeah. Kelly so, just yeah. she shelled you last time. So. So, yeah, Ka- Callie's always a tough one. Well. <laughs> Callie's a character. She uh, she makes it hard for whoever we run out here. I don't, I don't think fantastic. too many have one outside of her. No, but. she's fantastic. So let's talk about our storylines. Certainly much fewer uh, storylines to talk about since there's only two matchups. Um, 
But Diego, we'll start with you as the winner. What's your uh, storyline from either this week coming forward or the week previous, those matchups? Yeah, so my storyline that I picked uh, was, we've ultimately talked about it quite a bit here already, is the Rays, the Rays shot at a World Series. I mean, I think a lot of people are picking them to win the series over the Astros. A lot of people want to see them win that series over the Astros. And I think they're very capable of doing that. Um, so I think the Rays, they have the pitching for sure. And that's what they're going to have to ride the, um, to the World Series and hopefully a World Series win for them. And I think they can match up against anyone, really. Uh, the Dodgers clearly are going to be the toughest matchup for any team left mm-hmm. in the playoffs. Um, but I think if any team can kind of you know, put up, put out guys to defeat that lineup, that super team, it's going to be the Rays. Uh, the Rays, I just think the pitching is so important still. Even heading into, like, uh, if, if they make it to the World Series, you do have those uh, uh, off days then. Um, yeah. But the Rays, I, I just think it's they're a fun team to watch. I mean, the Rays are – the pitching's incredible. The no-name no name guys in the lineup that you don't expect to be doing anything who go and just will hit the ball a mile when you least expect it. I mean, it's just fun, and I, I want to see the Rays do well. I want to see them win that World Series. I want to see them go out there and compete against like uh, the big market uh, – Dodgers and win yeah. and so we'll see how it goes but um the Rays shot a World Series I think it's uh not unrealistic to say they can do it um I'd love to see them do it so I I the Rays that's it the Rays the Rays that's your storyline <laughs> the Rays Joey yeah I'm gonna talk about the Houston Astros offense a little bit so this during the regular season, I mean, they were just painfully mediocre for Astros fans. They were, you know, they had a 99 WRC plus, which is right below the average, and they were right in the middle of the pack and run scored in 14th, um, below average walk rate, below average WOBA, below average F4 from from hitters, you know, below average OBP, below average OPS, and below average at bats for home run. And then we come out here in this postseason, and they're hitting. And a lot of this is, you know, Correa and Bregman and their big offers. But, I mean, they're scoring almost seven runs a game. They're getting on base 35% of the time. 839 OPS, which is 120 points higher than it was during the regular season. And, you know, granted, we're talking, this is all small samples. I mean, the regular season is a small sample. Postseason's only been, they played like six games. So it's an even smaller sample. Um, but, it, you know, it kind of seems like that they've, they've come out here with, like, you know, we've been seeing that they're talking about this revenge and, People are, you know, saying we can't hit and we can't play because we did this. And, you know, I don't need to get into that. Everybody's seen that. Excuse me. But um, they're coming out here with just a new mindset. They're hitting, you know, a home run every 16 at-bats. It was 29 during the regular season. Um, it could be a factor of, you know, the A's pitchers just, you know, lobbing in meatballs. Um, which it did seem to be doing for a good portion of that series. Sorry, Callie. Um but yeah, just their their offensive resurgence this postseason has, has been quite impressive. I'm curious to see if they can continue it against you know 15 guys that throw 98 miles an hour and uh, you know strike out everybody. Yeah, I think the Astros' offense is definitely something that you know you probably didn't expect coming in. Kind of like what your numbers there, and I think that's going to match up very well for the Rays personally. The, the, the only fear I have 
and maybe it's not a fear. My thoughts think about Rays Dodgers, the biggest of the big market and the smallest of the small market teams. Mm-hmm. If the Rays find a way to pull that out, one of two things is going to happen. Moneyball resurgence. It's either going to be, yes, a moneyball resurgence, or teams are going to be like, I don't need to spend in order in order to win ball games, and you're going to see spending go down. Those are my, that's like the positive and negative side for me positive. with that. Um, I'd prefer more teams to be like, hey, I got to ramp up my analytics department because look at what this team just did. But I don't want teams to look at it and go, oh, Rays only have X million dollars as of payroll. I don't need to spend to win. Right, like 90% of their roster is still like, you know, pre-free agency. Yep. And half of those guys are pre-arb. Like they're all super young. And I mean, they're exciting. I mean, we saw Rosarina and what was it? Brett Phillips having a dance battle on the field after beating the Yankees. I mean, they're an exciting... That was, they're an exciting young team, but I am worried about, you know, teams looking at their model and thinking that we could do that. Like, we don't have to spend this much. We could just, you know, completely tear down. Like, I'm looking at the Rockies, for example, for this sort of thing. We could just tear down what we have, trade for assets, Arenado, Story, Blackman, ship all them out, save money, and, you know, trade them for top 100 prospects and then kind of just build back up in sort of the raised model. Um, but, you know, I don't think Jeff Bright is just really smart enough for that. Yeah, the, the model there, the rebuilding model, I think it's its own issue. But I think if well executed, it's fine. Um, yeah. I just don't want teams to look at it and go, I'm never going to sign a big free agent again. Because th- then you got to... The, the Rockies already don't do that. So, yeah, I mean, I would just... I, I'm curious to see how the teams view whoever wins. If the Dodgers yeah. win, it's like, you need to spend to win. If the Rays... I, I wonder how teams would view a Rays World Series win. Because I know there are enough analysts who kind of hate the analytic or analysts, ironically, who hate the analytics. Um, <clears throat> so I'm curious to see if they'll be like, yeah, you can't win on a computer. I know that'll be a phrase. So that's almost why I want the Rays to win at that same point. But You can also like break it down to like whichever team wins uh, just developing talent, how important that is. Yeah. And I think that's, I hope that's what comes out of it and seeing the homegrown guys. um, I want to see that become a big point and how I want to see teams put an emphasis on development of their prospects. They already have and drafting. Yeah. Yeah, That's really interesting. We have like, we have like two teams with top, what, eight, seven or eight farm systems that could potentially go head to head in the world series. I mean, Astros and Braves, not so much, but the Dodgers and Rays have some of the best farm systems out there. When you talk about Lux and Franco and Honeywell and, um, you know, uh, Kybert Ruiz and Indy Pajes. Do I think they, did they trade him? I don't know. Um, But they, both of these teams have great farm systems and, you know, we see the fruits of that in, in this year with, Mm -hmm. Dustin May for the Dodgers and um, Austin Meadows, who kind of came up more through the power system, but he was a prospect when they got him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So not necessarily a homegrown guy, but just the fruits of their minor existence finally paying off for them. Yeah. Right. No, I'm very curious to see how. And I do hope teams are like, hey, I need to continue to supplement this talent. Um, I yeah. need to learn how. To, I need to bulk up my player development staff and figure it out from there. Um, Absolutely. So, 
But let's close the storybook, turn on the TV. Let's talk about what we're watching this week and kind of wrap it up here. Playoff edition again of what to watch for, obviously. So you can either pick the matchup you're watching or something within those matchups. Let the fans know what you are watching this week besides playoff baseball in general. So, Diego, we'll start with you. Yeah, uh, what I'm watching this week more closely, and like I've mentioned before a million times, I'm a pitching guy. I love pitching, love watching it. And watching the Braves pitching this offseason or postseason, you got me saying it now, Les. This postseason. It's so easy to do. <laughs> it really is, especially when your team's out of it. Um, but yeah. Anyway, Braves pitching, uh, a lot of fun to watch. Just kind of like, you know, the Max Freed, Ian Anderson, Kyle Wright. Like, I mean, these aren't exactly guys besides Freed you'd expect to be shoving and just getting guys out like over and over and like just shutouts like the Braves in their five games have four shutouts they're five and zero in the playoffs I mean like uh Joy mentioned earlier like the unstoppable force and movable object thing that's kind of what you're also getting in the Dodgers uh Braves series here because the Dodgers have such a potent lineup and the Braves have such an impressive pitching staff this postseason like who's going to end up winning those matchups? Are the Braves going to continue to get these shutouts against the Los Angeles Dodgers, or are you going to see that pitching finally falter a little bit since they're not, you know, uh, pitching against like teams like the Marlins anymore? Uh, so I think it's going to be interesting to watch, and I just like I just love watching good pitching, and so and I'm rooting for the Braves pitching because I want to see the Dodgers lose. It's my Favorite thing every postseason is watching the Dodgers end up ultimately losing whenever they lose. Big fan of it. Um, so, yeah, Braves pitching. It's a lot of fun to watch, or has been so far. I hope it continues to go through and hopefully carry them to a World Series. Diego, are you a Giants fan or something? Uh, maybe a little bit. You wouldn't <laughs> be able to tell by the Rocky stuff I have on. but Either way. Yeah. But, Joey, what you watching this week? Uh, I'm watching pitching too, um, but I'm not watching the Braves pitching. I'm watching the Dodgers pitching. Sorry. Um, I, mean, you look at, I know, I know. But you can look, I mean, you look at their staff. Kershaw's been good. Bueller's been yeah. good. May is just so exciting. And their bullpen, mm-hmm. which, like I said before, Rhea Strinan and Bruce Dargratterall. Ken Lee Jansen has had sort of a kind of a little bit of a resurgence this year with uh, mixing up his pitches a little bit more, kind of going away from that cutter a little bit. Um, I think they're super exciting to watch too. And, I think they're, they're going to match up pretty well with the Braves' offense because the Braves have been, you know, game one of the uh, the wild card series, they saw Bauer, but game two, they, they hit better. And then they played three games against four A pitchers against the Marlins. I mean, they don't, they're, those aren't true big league guys yet, except maybe Alcantara. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that the Braves might be get a little complacent. Um, I mean, I, I think they're going to do everything they can to not become complacent because they know what they're going up against. Um, but the Dodgers are just, their pitching the is so good. They've got a ton. Yeah, the Dodgers. Yeah. They're pitching, and they, they've got a ton of movement too. Um, especially, you know, see these pitching ninja clips of Dustin May against Manny Machado and his two mm-hmm. series running in. You know, it, I mean, it's just the movement that he gets. He's starting like 101 miles which I'm glad I'm not a big fan. So I don't want to do that. Fair. Um, so. I'm watching the Dodgers pitching uh, because I, mostly because I want to see how they do against the Braves with their with their big offers there. Ozuna, Darno, Freeman, Cunha, all these. I mean, the list goes on. Yeah. 
No, certainly an interesting pitching match between the two teams there. Um, good I, I, I think that'll be one where <clears throat> if, if I had to pick a series that might be more interesting, I think it would be the Dodgers Braves one. Um, I, I feel those teams are a little bit more evenly matched um, in terms of their pitching and their hitting abilities. Um, not mm-hmm. saying they're evenly matched because it's clearly the Dodgers who are the favorite. However, I, I think you can see them more on the same plane than you can um, where the Rays are at and where the Astros are at at this point. But that's true. Certainly plenty of fun baseball ahead still for us folks. Um, that's really going to do it for us though. I mean, we've got, we could talk days and days about baseball, but it, it's going to be more fun for y'all to watch it. Um, and hopefully what these two fine gentlemen here have, told y'all about we'll get you prepped for the week and get you ready for some more playoff baseball but obviously find us at diamond underscore digest on twitter diamond-digest.com is our website where these two fine gentlemen i keep saying that but they are wonderful gentlemen uh we'll be putting out their stuff and everybody else on our crew has been putting out great stuff throughout the postseason in addition, make sure to look for our hot mic streams this week. I know that crew there has been doing a phenomenal job during the postseason, putting together some alternative broadcasts because you and I both know you don't like listening to the ESPN broadcasts. And that's okay to admit, and we are here to give you a way out of having to listen to them. <laughs> and last but not least... We only do four hours. What was that? We only do four-hour games, it feels like, so... Oh, yeah, we've done some long ones, but it's, yeah. it's better to listen to us for those four hours, in my opinion. Exactly. But And then the last thing is, too, if you're doing that um, playoff bracket challenge that you can win some cool Diamond Digest stuff or some cool postseason stuff, uh, make sure to fill out the ALCS and NLCS rounds. Uh, ESPN makes you updated every week. Um, we'll be posting who the leaders are in the next couple days or so, and then just a reminder – Diego let everybody know he's third, and I, I don't think I'm going to let you win. I think I'm going to let the That's fans fair. win. <laughs> That's fair. Um, but, you know, you can have the uh, – you, you can have the um, – I want the glory. Yeah, the glory of winning. So stay close with that. But I think I hear my family yelling in the background, which means it's getting ready to pack up time here for us as we leave Virginia. But anywho, that's going to do it for us, folks. Thanks for listening. For Joey Bowley. Diego Franco Carreno, the sleeping Cali Sai, who, again, condolences on a couple rough losses this week. This is Jordan Mazowski signing off. Take care, everyone. Enjoy your week, and we'll talk to you next week. See you soon. <laughs>